1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Walker Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of group.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy?
0: Doing well, Eric. Uh, You know, we, we, I think, would have been reasonably content going into this weekend with a split between the Warriors uh, and Raptors games, and probably would have felt a little more confident in being able to knock off the Warriors at home than beating the Raptors on the road, but um you know after a uh i don't even know how to describe friday's loss it it just felt like kind of a wasted opportunity it didn't feel like the warriors had their a game um but the bucks really struggled offensively and i don't know maybe it was probably their worst offensive game of the season a lot of ways and um to bounce back once again avoiding uh uh a a losing streak as they have every other time they've lost uh (laughs) on sunday with a uh a huge five-point win uh in toronto um got to got to feel pretty good coming out of the weekend that way and um you know again these these are hopefully teams that you know i, I think toronto i feel like is going to be there all year near the top of the east i think they're understandably the favorites but obviously uh hopefully fingers crossed the bucks can give them a run for their money and um now two and oh again in the season series against the raptors so um they've claimed at least a split which um is is always a good way to start uh, start your year against a team that you may very well see down the road in the playoffs. Um, for the record, Mike
1: Boonholzer laughed at me when I suggested that post game. <laughs> um, <laughs> somebody asked a question about you know is it was it say about your team or something that you know you're the first team to give the Raptors two losses and. And I was like, well, you know, it's not really. It doesn't really mean much. It's pretty early in the season, and I said, well, I mean, you have at least taken a split of the tiebreaker. Like, that does have to mean something. And he was like, eh, well, <laughs> you guys can think about stuff like that, but that's not something we're thinking about. And I said, okay, that's fine. um But yeah, he he laughed at me. But I do really think. Like uh, I mentioned it going into this weekend, and you know, I mentioned it on a couple of my radio hits as well. Like this is like that's kind of a big deal like to to take two right away from the raptors and again uh you could take more against the raptors you could take three and four but you know to at least get a split of that tiebreaker like i I do think uh it's not the worst thing to have in your back pocket and i do think that this could end up being uh helpful for them down the road and yeah i I guess i'm not sure which game i I really want to go to here um we can start with good vibes, I suppose, and talk about the Raptors game Bucks win one Oh four 99. And I mean, that felt like a heavyweight battle to me. Like that was, that was a heavyweight fight. Like the two, I think to me, the two best teams in the Eastern conference. And I mean, I think they largely went blow for blow for, for most of the night. And, um, you know, I, I was just, you know, kind of, kind of impressed with how the bucks ended up pulling that one off in the end. Like I, I think they go down what 97, 94. Um, and then Brogdon has two huge threes to go 97, 97, and then up 197. But you know, when it was ninety seven ninety four, it just kind of felt like, you know what? Bucks probably aren't going to have enough tonight. Like Giannis isn't, you know, dominating the game. Like, like he normally does. And he's things aren't quite as easy for him as they typically are. Cause The Raptors are just really good defensively. Um, But, you know, it just felt like Van Vliet hit that three to put them up 94 92, I think it was. And then uh, the Scotia Bank Arena, really the Air Canada Center, went wild. Uh, And then Middleton got two free throws. uh, But then. Kawhi hits that ludicrous step back that hits every part of the rim and goes up five feet in the air, and they go up 97-94, and it just kind of felt like in that moment, like it was over. Like it, uh, you, you just didn't think the Bucks would would be able to come back, and somehow they find a way, and uh, it's two Chris Middleton assists to Malcolm Brogdon for threes, and, and I mean that second one was just like. I feel like that's everything the Bucks have been hoping for offensively and just trying to be because it, it was Lopez passed up a shot. Uh, Bledsoe passed up a shot. Middleton passed up a shot and then they get Brogdon a wide open three on the left wing after he had just hit a big one. And it was just like, you know, that's, that's what the Bucks have been about this season: is sharing the basketball, uh, driving, kicking, getting open looks, and they they did it in the most important moment of the game. And you know, I think that kind of speaks to you know what they're what they're all about and what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, I, I think it was obviously anytime you play a team of this caliber, it's it's a good test. And um, you know, you mentioned with Giannis, they have probably more guys who can switch on Giannis than, than certainly most teams. Um, and it didn't feel like there was anything easy for Giannis all night. You know, there, there was no, um, uh, there, there weren't like, you know, uh, lots of like dump offs to him to get easy buckets or something like that. Like he really had to work for, for his points. Um, and, uh, you know, a workman like 19 points, 19 rebounds, six assists, uh, from Giannis. Um, and, you know, I thought the Bucks did get much more going in the sec- to the rim in the second half. They scored 30, uh, 30 of their 38 point paints in the second half. They were down 18 to eight at halftime, which obviously is not normal for a team that uh, scores 56 a night in the pain and came into the game second in the league. Um, but, yeah, you know what you're talking about, you know, just the feeling like they they just were digging themselves just a little bit too much of a hole Um I agree like it just felt like you know especially cuz the Bucks had that what was it 85-74 lead um you know they they got some some actually good minutes at the end of the third from the Brogdon plus bench lineup you know Brogdon was able to get a couple layups um they were able to get you know basically hold Toronto at bay and um and then extend the lead a little bit there early in the fourth quarter but um uh, you know look on the road against you know the best team in the league record wise this happens they're going to they're going to make a run and um, you know van Vleet hit five out of seven threes he he has not shot the ball well this year at all um he's had kind of a, 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 a I, he's he's an interesting guy I'm, I'm curious you know obviously not a highly touted guy coming out of, the, out of college uh ends up being really really good last year and um will be interesting to see i mean guys like that you know could could be a big kind of you know, fulcrum in whether a team like the Raptors can compete for a title or whether they're just going to come up a little bit short because obviously they rely so much on their depth, but, um, you know, to see the bucks move that ball and, um, you know, Brogdon get, get two great looks at threes in, you know, what the final, you know, minute seven, I think, or so of the game. Um, you know, so often late game offense gets bogged down and you end up settling for really bad shots and you know, you look at what the Bucks got, even against a defense, as good as the Raptors, they were able to move the ball, use some of the aggression of the Raptors against them. You know, Brogdon is just a guy who we talk about, you know, he's not a great off the dribble, three point shooter. He's got that slow release, but I mean, when he's left open, you feel so confident that he's going to knock it down. And, um, you know, two huge shots from, from big shot Brog, <laughs> uh, from him tonight. Uh, and you have to feel really good about, about that from him, 18 points on 15 shots, left a few, uh, drives the basket kind of, Shots that rolled off the rim, but um, can't say enough about him stepping up with those two big shots and Middleton finding him, um, being the the ultimate assister on those two shots. Uh, and you know, again, Middleton as well. Um, you know, not a good offensive game by any stretch. Kawhi really locked him down for long stretches. Ten points on nine shots, five turnovers, um, but nine boards, five assists, and he played some really good defense against Kawhi as well. And he played some really good defense on Friday against Kevin Durant, who struggled. So. Um, you know, I think again, uh, you know, I'd say that the, you know, the net result here, lots of open looks for the, for the bigs, if they wanted them from the Raptors Ibaka though, four out of 11 on three, 22 points on 21 shots. You can live with that. And, um, you know, Van Vliet five out of seven, including some big ones in that fourth quarter, but, um, ultimately um, you know, you have to feel good about the way the Bucks closed this game, those two big shots in Brogdon. And then when the Raptors were like trapping and scaring the hell out of us with, uh, with the Bucks leading by one, um, they end up getting Giannis in the corner who then, uh, you know, again, uses the Raptors aggression against them. He gets a crease and, uh, flying down the baseline for that kind of game ceiling dunk. Um, that was uh that was a fun way to end it as well. So, um, you know, good execution by the Bucks and, you're going to need that, right? We've seen them lose some close games. Um, And this obviously was one where they, they just executed better than the other team, forced a turnover on Kawhi that set up the second three, um, you know, in a game where, you know, the Raptors only had 11 turnovers. So it wasn't like they were being careless, but the Bucs just did a really nice job um, kind of taking what, what they got there in the last couple of minutes. And, um, you know, myself a big rebound uh, <laughs> on, on the last miss and um, you know uh, just uh, just a really really fun game and uh, they didn't need George Hill or Jason Smith tonight although both guys were uh, in in warm-ups and I guess they were technically active so yeah um... That, that was kind of interesting i didn't i thought uh, they might not get physicals until monday but uh they were available and they didn't need them and um again i think uh we'll, we'll hopefully get get see see what they can offer down the road but tonight um you know really good effort from uh, a lot of guys in, uh, in bringing home a much-needed win
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're much more active tomorrow night because we talked to Bud about it post-game and he was like, well, you know, it'd be good to get him a shoot-around or a practice. And then he's like, well, actually, we won't have shoot-around tomorrow, um, so we'll have to get them in with the assistant coaches and see what they can do. So, um, yeah, I would guess you probably get to see George Hill and Jason Smith tomorrow, but also maybe not, like uh I, I know he won't be in toronto tomorrow <laughs> yeah. but i thought thon was solid uh in his eight minutes tonight uh where he has five points three blocks and two rebounds um so i thought he was really helpful there and um i mean tro- he really is and then you know his kind of uh partner in in crime sterling brown like five points seven rebounds and assist a block and it was that block was oh, man sh- like stripping blocking kawaii i don't even know how to describe it but he <laughs> yeah. he quiet quiet Kawhi, essentially yeah um and hashtag lockdown sterling brown look out <laughs> uh but i mean I, I i don't know if tonight is indicative of larger patterns but he might have hopped over pat Connaughton now um after Pat Connaughton hopped over Dante DiVincenzo um, in the rotation, now Sterling might have done it to Pat Connaughton. He had 22 minutes tonight, Pat Connaughton just five. Um, But, you know, I think this was always something that you and I had kind of thought was possible with Sterling, and a lot of people did. There's plenty of hashtag Sterling stands out there, but um, I think he's kind of put it together in the last couple games, and you still got to figure out how to not foul all the time. Uh, When he... He got away with one against Kawhi where they let him strip it. And really he followed Kawhi. And then he just went right back to it and followed him again. And it was just like, Sterling, come on, man. Like you can get away with it once, but you don't, you don't get to reach in on one of the best players in the league twice and they not call it, uh, that, that's definitely going to happen. So he's going to figure out how to avoid some of that. But, you know, I thought really solid minutes again, uh, from him tonight. And, uh, you're seeing those bench guys kind of make an impact. And tonight they really did, uh, Tony Snell with 10 points, Urson with nine Brown and maker five a piece, uh, Sterling Brown's the leader in plus minus a plus 12 and Thon maker plus 11. And there was kind of those two, those two moments you mentioned the start of the fourth quarter, stretching it out a little bit. Um, and I guess the end of the third quarter a little bit. And then, uh, in the second quarter, some of those minutes as well, uh, Mike Boonholzer had said that, you know, that bench unit with Thon and Sterling kind of, uh, kind of flipped the game for them after a first quarter where they weren't playing great defense. So uh, I just thought really interesting stuff there. And I, I wanted to talk about Chris Middleton. You kind of mentioned him a little bit there and, you know, I was, I mean, I, I think it's easy for this to happen, but I was a little bit surprised at, you know, how many people were talking about like, Oh, Chris doesn't look quite right. Like his energy isn't great. And it was just like, shit, am I watching the same game? Like, Because I thought some of the work he did on Durant on Friday night was was fantastic. Good. There's not many people that make Durant really work for stuff. And again, like there's some of it that's just Durant having a bad shooting night. But you know he has 11 points on the game, seven turnovers, and I think Middleton was on him for I think like 55, 60 percent of uh, his offense possessions. And I just thought he was great there. And then again tonight you. You saw him on Leonard for most of the night, and Kawhi ended the night with 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks, and a turnover. But you know he was eight of 18, only shot three free throws. Like I, I think for the most part he didn't really get much of anything all that easy tonight. Um, I thought he had to work for just about every point, and you know I think a lot of that was Chris Middleton. And I also think during that game you kind of saw how. How Kawhi and Giannis are both uh, both disturbers on defense, where you know they can really just screw everything you're trying to do up, but they do it in very different ways. Like Kawhi is going to find your best player and just lock him up like that that is that is going to be him or he's going to find a player it doesn't matter who and lock him up and you know i thought offensively he he had a couple sequences where he just decided he was going to steal the ball from chris and it was ridiculous to watch but Giannis, on the other hand is more of that free safety like i'm going to screw up everything for you kind of guy like you you can try to take me out of the play and you just won't be able to. I'm going to find my way into the middle of it. And I thought we kind of saw that when uh, in the fourth quarter, the Bucks decided to put Giannis on Kawhi for a little bit. And uh, the Raptors just went to Ibaka Leonard pick and roll over and over and over and over again, because Giannis couldn't get over the screen. Like he, he there was just, he just died on it every time. And it makes sense. He's seven feet tall. His limbs are very long. And uh, Ibaka is, uh, let's say, um, a crafty screen setter, um, and like, it, but to Middleton's credit, like he dealt with that all night and really found a way to you know be physical with Kawhi, take him out of his rhythm, and uh, force him into some tough shots. So uh, I, I would agree. Like I, I thought, offensively, yeah, like Chris is not really in in a great rhythm right now, not having a great flow. But man, I, I thought defensively to put him up against two of the five to six best players in the world and have him, you know, be a large part, uh, a large part of them having Duran having a bad night and Leonard having like, eh, like a good night, but like not that good. Um, Certainly made him work for everything. Like I thought Chris Milton really did a nice job in these last two games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, we talked about this. It's always harder with Chris to kind of read his effort level because of the, like, if you just like watch him, it's a, It's you have to look at the guy he's defending more than him uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and when you know Kawhi and Kevin Durant are not getting to the rim and are having to settle for tough shots, that's a good sign that Chris is using <laughs> yeah. his uh, his physical tools as, as well as he can. And um, yeah, I thought he did a really nice job these last couple nights, um, just making life difficult for them. I mean, Durant in particular is going to have nights where he just you know you can't do anything with him he's just too long and he's just gonna hit tough shots over you all the time and didn't happen on friday um but uh, i thought he did a nice job on Kawhi. and um you know somebody asked me why you know why was Giannis struggling to defend Kawhi. and i mean Giannis has i mean the, the his achilles heel defensively if you want to call it that since being a rookie when he was playing more you know wings and less you know four obviously it's always been against screens like he just does not get around yep. screens and i think it's i think you know it, part of it is like, just as you mentioned, I mean, seven footers generally don't, don't you <laughs> know do what, what, uh, what, you know, get over screens effectively. And obviously the buck scheme demands um, everybody trying to get over screens typically, unless you're guarding somebody that, you know, you they're just not taking serious at all. So um, it's particularly not ideal for Giannis. Um, and just like you think about his athleticism, I mean, he's a long strider, you know, he's not a guy yep. who, you know, like, is uh taking like really short explosive choppy steps ever he's always taking long strides um and even when he's in like one-on-one situations a lot of times like his like defensive first step if that makes sense is oftentimes kind of slow um like you saw van vliet beat him off the dribble but Giannis has such like length and recovery ability that like oftentimes he can still like harass the shot or block it or whatever so you can kind of make up for it. But, you know, when you're trying to get over screen, that's not really relevant, right? Like, I mean, or at least in kind of what we're seeing here, where, or, you know, he doesn't have 30 feet of ground that he can use to catch up. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, I mean, I wasn't paying attention close enough. I'm not sure if it, if like why he was defending him in the first place. I think Danny Green might've been, uh, Milton might've been guarding Danny Green or something. I don't know, but I'd mm-hmm. rather have Giannis off the ball. Um, you know, de- being the guy who's defending the screener in that situation, then being the guy defending uh, the ball handler in a pick and roll. And especially the further out you go, um, he's going to be, you know, just less, it's just not a good use of, of his many physical talents. And um, you know, that I don't think that's surprising and, and predictably they, they changed it up there after uh, um, you know, a couple of, couple of possessions where, where he was having some, some issues doing that.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think you kind of saw that exact idea kind of come to fruition late when, I tried to watch it multiple times and I still don't think either Lopez or Giannis got their hand on it, but that pass that Kawhi tried to throw um, was largely, you know, he saw the the backside help coming from Giannis and obviously Lopez was there helping on the screen, but uh, Kawhi kind of comes down the lane and tries to throw a cross court bounce pass. I'm not, I'm still not really sure what that pass was, but I I thought Giannis tipped it originally, but it looks like, like it looked like quiet kind of just threw a terrible pass, but it was because, Oh, look at this guy coming on the backside. Uh, he's seven feet tall, and he's going to make my life miserable. And I need to try to make this this skip right away. And uh, it, it just was not there. So, um, yeah, you you can see that pretty much all the time. Giannis being able to help out on that backside. Um, I'm trying to think what else in in this game. You know, you really want to highlight, um, but I think you do have to kind of look at Kyle Lowry um, not scoring. Uh, this is the for, I think the first time ever in his career, he's played at least 30 minutes and not scored. Um, I think if I have that stat correct, and uh, again, in the same way that you know, maybe Middleton didn't have the best shooting night, Bledsoe did not have the best shooting night, just four 14 from the field, uh, nine points for him, five assists. But well, he was covering Kyle Lowry and he, he made it tough on, on Lowry as well. And uh, I just I just think uh, night uh, night in night out uh we just end up seeing Eric Bledsoe really have a huge impact on the game through his defense and how difficult he makes it on opposing point guards and you know in a league that has so many phenomenal point guards I mean it's it's incredible uh, it's it's incredible like uh, just to uh, you know, for many years, I was at a, a at a point where I was just like, you know what? I don't I don't know how much point guard defense matters because point guards are so good, and teams struggle to contain the pick and roll so much that you know point guards are are, are going to get some points and some assists no matter what, and you know you just kind of have to hope that at the end of the night they haven't hurt you too bad. And I mean. Watching Bledsoe this year has kind of made me rethink that whole strategy um, and that whole thought process because, you know, he does really do a nice job of of making it tough on opposing point guards and a lot of the times kind of shutting them down in many ways. And I've just been really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, I think his offenses have gotten more spread, you know it just feels like there's there's more stuff going on now and um if you have breakdowns it just feels like it you get gashed like i don't know it just feels like offenses like really can are geared more towards taking advantage of weak individual defenders and um i think especially in this defense you know it's hard for a point guard to like shut down the opponent because i mean obviously like they're going over screens and they're having to chase and do all that so you know they're playing from behind a lot but I think it, it, you know, to give the rest of the defense a chance, you need your point guards competing the way Bledsoe competes. Um, and if you're getting stuck on screens or you're not being able to do that, you're not being able to like, give really a, a strong effort to stick with your guy. Um, it puts the whole, you know, it, it's kind of like the first link in the chain and it kind of immediately starts to break down. And so, um, you know, I credit to Bledsoe. um, you know, say what you want about him. Um, you know, a lot of really good point guards have gone on him tonight and or this season. And other than Kemba, you know, there really haven't been a lot of guys who've who've really been able to take advantage of him. And you know, even Steph Curry on Friday night, twenty points on seventeen shots. Live with that, you know. You know, what I mean, um, so uh, you know, just night after night, it just feels like opposing point guards just don't tend to do that much against him. Uh, and obviously, it's a that's a, a point guard defense is is a team defense thing is as much as any position, but you know it doesn't happen if you've got a weak defender uh, at the point guard spot and blood so strength and quickness has, has been a major factor. And, you know, on a net like tonight where he doesn't play well, well, he outplayed Kyle Lowry at least. And, you know, Lowry, Lowry has been struggling a lot lately. So it's not like Lowry has been on fire and, and Bledsoe shut him down. I mean, there's definitely a Kyle Lowry is inside his own head aspect of this 100%. Um, he only took five shots, um, and all threes, all misses, uh, and, Still, though, in the two games against his Bucks this year, he's three for 19 from the field and 0 of 14 from three, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and so, you know, the fact that Middleton didn't have a great scoring night, the fact that Bledsoe didn't have a great scoring night, well, I mean, the Raptors have... You know, two all stars, and then you know Siakam's become a really, really good player for them. He looked good tonight. He's sort of the—I've—I've I've called him the the hobo Giannis, um, which is is men of the compliment. Um, but obviously, with Lowry giving you a, a big fat zilch, um, that uh, that makes it harder. And you know, uh, you look at the advanced numbers. Not a not a great scoring night from the Bucks. 109 points per 100. This was a relatively slower game. Um, very few turnovers. Um, you know, not a ton of offensive rebounds for either side. Um, but defensively, I mean, the Bucks' defense has actually, actually held up really well these past couple of games. games. Um, you know, to the extent that you would have thought, oh, yeah, they, if, you know, if you showed me the defensive numbers against the Raptors and Warriors, I would have said, man, Bucks have a good shot to win both of these games. Um, but obviously, just a pretty flat game offensively on Friday against the Warriors and um, not an easy game tonight uh, against the Raptors by any stretch. Um, but, uh, you know, again, um, credit to them late in the game. They, they made plays and uh, on both ends, whereas the Raptors uh, ultimately couldn't.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to go about ranking bucks wins, but you know, I think this one's got to be among the very best of them this season. Like, uh, obviously the, the 43 point win over Portland stands out. Like that's just crazy to be one of the better teams in the West. And who knows if at the end of the year, they will be that same team. But, um, you know, I think that's a, a really big win. I thought the Denver win, uh, at denver was really impressive obviously beating golden state at oracle no matter how many guys were hurt or got hurt in that game for golden state is a big one but you know i think you can stack this raptors one up against just about all of them because you know you go into hostile territory you beat uh uh, the best team in the league i think at the at the moment that they played them i'm not sure what it is now but um you know you went in there you beat them you didn't have the best night but you found a way to get enough stops defensively and uh you know to to hold that the raptors to a 103.9 defensive rating and to hold the warriors to a 102 defensive rating like that's two really impressive defensive nights in a row um, for this Bucks team, and I just, you know, I think we had questions about whether or not the the defense was going to be sustainable, and you know, we saw some some moments of weakness, uh, uh, certainly against the Knicks, and you know, I think, I mean, to the Bucks' credit, since since that Knicks game, where I think that was probably the low point for them defensively, they gave up a bunch of points for, for a while there, but, you know, to go hold the Pistons to 92, the Warriors to 105, the Raptors to 99 and have good, really good defensive nights in all of them. You know, I think that kind of speaks to Mike are talking over and over again about how this defense can be better and that's our concern is you know if we're circling one thing that we're not doing right it's the defense and um you know i think they've really brought it these last couple games and uh that that speaks well of them being able to uh respond to their coach and his plea and what he's trying to get them to do and you know i think it speaks well to uh their ability as a defensive team so we'll see if they can keep that up uh They have a back-to-back Cleveland is in Milwaukee. I would guess they're in Milwaukee right now. I don't know if they, I don't think they played tonight. Um, So they probably beat the Bucks to Milwaukee um, and a back-to-back for them. But um, I guess in that Warriors game, was there anything, I'm sure there's not really anything you want to talk about because it wasn't a fun game. Um, But anything you find worth mentioning uh, in that one that maybe you've, you've, I guess you found surprising or, or noteworthy or, or something of that nature.
0: Well, I, you know, Bucks shooting seven out of thirty-nine from three obviously was was disappointing. They were still, I think, they had what like a decent advantage in the paint. But um, you know, in the first game in Golden State, they didn't shoot great from three, but they were plus fifty, I think, in the paint, and so I think it was disappointing. I mean, this was. You know, scoring only 95 points, um, and offensively, you know, I am pretty sure it's their worst offensive rating of the season. Um, you know, that's that's obviously something that you feel like you can do a better job at, but, um, you know, I thought it was interesting. I mean, there was a play in, um, with Urson in particular. I mean, the, the Warriors always have one or two guys on the court that you're not worried at all about shooting breeze. Um, you know, with the, the young big men like the Loonies and Bells, and, um, you know, I know, Damian, uh, yeah. Jones is, I guess, hurt now, but, um, but it was interesting. There was a, a, a play where like Ursan was in, and like he, Steph was bringing it up, like not like full blown transition, but like Ursan was shading so hard. <laughs> it <laughs> was wild. Um, like they were, you know, and, and we saw this all night. I mean, Alfonso McKinney, three out of seven from three. Jonas Rebko, four out of nine from three. I mean, those two guys went seven out of 16 from three compared to the Bucks seven out of 39 as a team. <laughs> you know, like they yep. were selling out hard. Um, to to try to shade towards Steph and Duran in particular uh, and daring those other guys to beat them. And, you know, unfortunately, they did. Uh, Iguodala also hit three out of six from three. Obviously, he's not a guy that, you know, historically has been typically lights out, but he obviously can, can knock down those shots as well. Um, so, you know, just kind of a disappointing game like he... You know, again, defensively, I think the trade-off was still worth it with Durant, you know, eleven points on 14 shots and seven turnovers. You know, again, Middleton and company doing a really good job. Um, but no no real complaints about the defense, but just offensively, just felt like they couldn't get out of their own way. And, you know, Giannis only 13 shots in 34 minutes. Um tonight as well, you know, they I, I didn't feel like, you know, as much as Toronto at times was doubling and you know they were doing things that that make it harder for Giannis to get shots um it felt like there was a lot of Giannis in the corner Giannis in the dunker spot tonight um and yeah I don't know it it felt like the only way he was getting the ball was if he was in a pick and roll and then there was a switch and then they got it to him that way like it just felt like you know again he had to make everything happen himself and kind of similar on on Friday sort of he had to do everything himself uh and uh I mean by the way, also we need to shout out the the, the play Giannis had in what, like the final minute or whatever where he took a pass from Brogden took one dribble from midcourt and dunked from almost the foul line. Like nobody said like a word <laughs> about it cuz the game was like, you know, they were down like 10 or 8 when he when he dunked it, but I mean like what? Like like I uh, find me another guy who has dunked with anybody close to him in a game from further out than what Giannis did in that game. I mean, basically it's Giannis against Carmelo uh, at the garden a couple years ago, right? When he did something similar on a a break, Um, you know, and that dunk he had in Indiana where he did something similar. I mean, I don't know. It's just uh, freaky, right? I mean, that was just crazy. Um, But it was interesting. I mean, you look at the buck shot attempts. Every buck starter had between 12 and 14 shot attempts uh against the Warriors so it's probably a little too uh equal opportunity would have liked to see it skewed obviously more towards Giannis um but you know again that's the way it goes and uh, the Warriors obviously defensively they've been a great defense for a long time and so some of it was just a lot of it was missing open shots um but you know a lot of the times those things even out and we saw the Bucks, especially tonight start out you know very hot they were 11 out of 21 in the first half just four out of 18 in the second half but um you know good for them they they managed to uh make the same number of threes with five fewer attempts than the uh the raptors and uh you know the the whole not fouling thing um was again our strength in both games warriors six out of seven from the line over 48 minutes raptors also just six out of seven i mean that that's really big because again like there's no you know we talk about threes and all that i mean there's nothing more efficient than just getting free throws right i mean like that that's just a uh you know, if, if you're shooting 75%, that's a an expected value of 1.5 points every every time you go to the line to for free throws. And you know, again, teams don't shoot 50% on threes. Uh, so that's just such a valuable thing defensively when you can just not foul. And the Bucks have done a good job of that all year, and they did a great job of that this weekend, um, being able to, you know, dissuade teams from from being able to get those uh those cheap, you know, cheap points at the foul line. So um so yeah, you know, again, Bucks have yet to get out of that kind of trade-off wins and losses type thing of late. Um, this weekend, I'd say can't be too mad about it, just given the level of competition. Um, still, Bucks just, just barely ahead of the Sixers in the East for the number two spot. Uh, they do reel in the Raptors a little bit. They're now two and a half games behind the Raptors in the East. Um, and, you know, with this week coming up, you get Cleveland, Indiana on the road without Oladipo, and then you get Cleveland again. Um, so, you know, again, man, it'd be really nice to see the Bucks start to reel off some wins. Um, but again, it just feels like they've kind of just had a hard time, um, you know, managing that a lot of that's been the schedule so far, but obviously, um, with, especially these two Cleveland games, I mean, these are take care of business games, uh, if you ever had them. So, um, we'll see tomorrow's a Monday's kind of a classic letdown (laughs) game, uh, coming back home after an emotional win in Toronto. And, um. You know, we saw last year after the All-Star break Bucks. I think it was the first game after the All-Star break Bucks win on the road in Toronto, great win in overtime. And then they kind of sucked for a while. <laughs> they, they kind of fell off dramatically. Um, but I, I obviously have much more confidence in this team versus uh, the team a year ago. Um, you know, personnel-wise and, and coaching-wise, obviously it's a diff- very different team um, and, and, and just sort of in terms of their mindset, I think. Uh, but, you know, hey, a three a three oh you know week with you know uh, coming off a win in toronto i mean if you want to win a, if you want to win the east if you want to be a top two seed you're going to have to start doing this more often right like you're not going to be able to trade out wins and losses all season so um you know that's that's the next champion for the next challenge for the bucks and uh again the bar the bar is raised the bar is uh is not you know low 40 wins the bar is uh is much more than that so um again, a uh, fun win on sunday and and now it's back to taking care of business. yeah, we'll
1: have to keep an eye on all of that and see if they can uh the one one last thing I was gonna talk about, but I think we're gonna try to wrap it up, but we can talk about this going forward. uh the bucks and how they handle switching that when when you talk about you know not being able to get Giannis involved and you know not be able to do certain things. I think that's probably the time where the offense just loses its sense of purpose. I think, or at least that's the way I've always felt or I've felt this year is, you know, I think they, they kind of lose all of the things that they really like about themselves when teams switch uh, because, you know, they're not able to get straight line drives. They're not able to, uh, you know, kind of prey on over help are they're, they're not able to, um, you know, really take advantage of all the things that come from good ball movement, player movement, uh, good drives. Like they're, they're just not able to take advantage of it because if you switch everything, those, those things aren't there. And, you know, I thought we saw that both against golden state and, uh, against the Raptors. Like it just felt like in the fourth quarter, there were, I don't even know five possessions against the Warriors where somehow Kevin Durant or Andre Iguodala was on the ball for the entire possession. It was just like they would get a little action and then oh switch from Iguodala, oh switch from Durant, oh there's Iguodala again, and they just couldn't seem to get out of of that cycle. And you know I think in in the first half we saw it particularly. Um, Giannis either needs an advocate. Or he's got to find a way to handle it. But when little dudes cover him in the post, they get to do whatever they want. And I think we all know that like little dudes are going to get to put two hands on him. They're going to get to be very physical and he's not going to get the call. And if he goes at them, he's probably going to get called for a charge. And Giannis very much knows that he is very aware uh, that he is being put in that tough position. And I think a lot of the times it, it leads to him not being really all that aggressive. And that's something that the Bucs have to figure out. Like, what, what do they take advantage of when other teams switch? And I think that'll be something to to keep your eye on for the rest of the year. But I will let us... Re- yeah,
0: one other thing, kind of more, more looking at from the reverse side. I thought it was interesting. Brooke Lopez, 33 minutes tonight, 19 points on 13 shots, um, hit threes, did the splash mountain thing, but also had some very nice moves to the basket. Like, Brooke Lopez, like, his, like, glacial closeout attacks are one of my like secretly <laughs> favorite things about this Bucks team like you know I, I mean people talk about him adding the three-point shot but him adding the um you know crazy. pump fake dribble sort of like you know slowly take these long strides and dribbles and use all of his skill to be able to angle to the basket for for to for uh, for a bucket um it, it's pretty funny to watch but Again, like you kind of lose sight of just how skilled he is, you know, just because he's not playing in the post anymore. We don't really see that side of his game, but he is just a really skilled guy, um, can do so much with the ball. And um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Valanchunas only plays 13 minutes tonight seemed like most of those were against thon and thon really got the better of him yep. had thon had three blocks and one or two of those were against him um and lopez though in the fourth quarter i think also did have a block on him where valentunas ended up kind of putting it out of bounds and he wanted a foul and didn't get it and um i think valentunas was like minus 12 or something they they won those minutes and um lopez mostly was playing against ibaka and, and smaller lineups and uh you know again he was good enough offensively that that the trade-off, you know, obviously they, they win the game. I think Lopez was still a minus for the night and he was like minus five or so, but it was interesting to see him playing late in the game. Bucks did not feel like they had to go away from him. Um, Ibaka, as you said, had a bunch of good looks at threes, you know, 36% on them for the game. you live with that. Um, wasn't super efficient overall. Uh, but that's an interesting thing to watch out for because certainly, you know, we talk about the bucks, um, you know, sort of weakness uh, potentially against pick and pop bigs. And um, you know, if Lopez can stay on the floor, that that's big because it means that the bucks have more options in terms of the ways they can play. But I'm still not exactly sold that that's, you know, what you would see in a playoff series that Brooke Lopez is going to close out every game. So I thought that was interesting tonight, but kind of sticking with sticking with Brooke and kind of living with it. And obviously the defense did well enough, um, but we'll, we'll be interested to see that in the the next couple of games this season.
1: Yeah. I'm, that that yeah that kind of surprised me as well and you know they stuck with it even with Ibaka really torturing them because of that early in the game like the Raptors knew that they were gonna get Brook and uh, Brook was gonna be trying to keep up and pick and rolls and you know it was gonna be a struggle and you know I just thought uh, really really kind of impressive stuff that he was able to play that long and and find a way to stay on the floor. And he's he's continued to find a way to be more than – whatever blank you want to fill in more than just a, a three point shooting big, more than just a guy that can attack a close. Like he just keeps finding ways to uh, remain relevant and keep himself in games. So kudos to Brooke Lopez for that. Um, all right.
0: Can I, can I say one, can I say one more thing that amused me? This is going to be really short. Um, you've you, if longtime listeners will know, I get annoyed when like, especially the home team is losing yes. and they dribble it out uh, in a game that they're losing. <laughs> And usually it's like you know you're down ten points and you know like even the Spurs will be out there and like they won't try to score on the final possession and I'm just like that was something tonight and I was just like and and I'll just you've heard me say that a lot of times it's like when the Bucks are losing and they don't try to do this and I'll say this because I'm annoyed because it's like play to the final buzzer what are you worried about scoring more points in a loss like what the hell tonight yeah really bizarre so the that's, Raptors the Raptors were out, that's crazy the Raptors were out of timeouts right so I mean again seven seconds left Urson gets filed he goes hits two free throws they're down five okay. I realize like to get the ball down court, hit a three, foul, get the ball back, and then, you know, hope for missed free throws and, and get the ball and get a shot to tie. Very long odds. I, I totally acknowledge that. If they had timeouts, it would have been different. They didn't. Okay, I get it. That said, Kawhi Leonard like takes the inbound with seven seconds left and just casually dribbles it up. With no apparent interest in trying to score more points, really weird. That had to be the closest game in which I've ever seen a guy dribble it out. Um, but I think we can only uh, conclude from this that Kawhi Leonard is not an MVP, has no heart, and wants to get out of Toronto. So, um, you know, again, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I,
1: I enjoyed I enjoyed Giannis's reaction to it. Like you could just kind of see like he was ready to play defense, and then he just saw him dribbling and. He just like looked at him he's like
0: uh, can you imagine Giannis you, ever like yannis Gian, no never never that. he
1: would dunk from oh, the free God. throw line like yeah. he did
0: against yeah, the warriors he, or like, airball ball of three whatever uh, you know
1: <laughs> either or but like you could just see Giannis like thinking like hey, are you really dribbling it out right now like all right man cool well i'll take the win that's fine with me yeah really strange stuff um but either way, that means the Bucks win. Bucks win 104-99 over the Raptors. Split a weekend series with the Warriors and the Raptors, which in the end, I think feels not too bad, um, but it will feel worse if the Bucks don't take advantage of three very, very winnable games here. Um, with a with a back to back tomorrow night. Now, obviously, it's going to be tough. Back to backs are never easy. But they have the Cleveland Cavaliers in town. Then one again, Delhi revenge game. Delhi revenge game. Uh, I'm sure John Henson's going to be spitting hot fire in his quotes pregame, uh, even though he won't be able to play. Uh, then Wednesday at Indiana Friday at Cleveland uh, and then at Detroit on the 17th. So a little bit of a, a road heavy stretch here for the bucks, but uh, I mean, I think three winnable games this week and we'll see if they can get it done. So that is going to be, uh, by a- the way, did,
0: we, did you remind people that we did a separate pod on the trade? Cause I don't know if there was a tweet about the, 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 uh, the trade I only did. podcast. I um, did not. So, yeah. So we should just clarify. We, we did a whole separate podcast around the Delhi Henson George Hill trade. So if you missed that, it came out Sunday afternoon. We're recording this Sunday night. So Eric will throw this together while he's not sleeping in Toronto, getting ready for an early flight. Um, <laughs> and, and uh so we just figured we'd have a whole separate conversation since so much crap happened this weekend. So anyway, if you want to hear us talk about that. Go check out that other podcast. And I will now stop interrupting you, Eric, since I've done that like four times as you've been trying to end this podcast.
1: That is just fine, Frank. Uh, that is going to be it for us for tonight. Bucks win 104.99 over the Raptors lose 105.95 to the Warriors. Signing off from Toronto and Austin, Texas, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm Eric. That was Frank. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.